Turns out it's haunted. The podcast covering haunted locations and spooky stories. We're your hosts, Tracy and Laura. Hello, scaredy cats. Hi, scaredy cats. Happening. Welcome back to another episode of Turns Out It's Haunted. I am always looking for um, ideas on where to go with my little research. And Tracy, I have to thank you very much because you pointed me in the direction of SK Pierce Mansion. And I've been, yeah, I've been reading up on it. It's sort of freaky and I don't know if I am just getting a little bit less of a scaredy cat or there was like a few different elements here that just kept me wanting to look into it more. So Mm, it's rubbing off. I maybe a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So at the top of the episode, I'll just credit a few of the main websites that I um, drew information from. So one website that during the episode, I'll directly quote from because it's pretty well written and interesting is the skhauntedvictorianmansion.com website um, which are the current owners Um, and then there was a couple of YouTubers there is Exploring with Josh and Cinematic Seth Uh, they both like they're friends and they both have their own shows and they were sort of um, teaming up to do an episode on this one so they both had content on there and interesting Interestingly enough, um, the owners of, um, oh, what's that really scary? The Conjuring, that house, the owners of that house were there teaming up with them as well. So those uh, YouTube episodes are pretty interesting as well. So thank you to all of those people. So the uh, SK Pierce Mansion is cited as the second most haunted house in Massachusetts and the ninth most haunted house in all of America. Um, A plethora of paranormal investigative teams have been to the mansion, including ghost hunters, ghost adventurers, and my ghost story. Uh, Investigators have borne witness to the most hair-raising phenomena. Um, even Disney wanted to buy this mansion because for a few years it sat vacant, unowned, unoccupied, and it, it fell into disrepair. Um, so Disney wanted to buy the mansion, um, cut it in half, and send half to Florida and half to California to use as their haunted house. Um, it's crazy, huh? Yeah, that obviously didn't happen. Um, it's but a beautiful. It's a beautiful building, though. Yeah, and it's been lovingly restored now. Um, by a person called, I've got it here somewhere, his first name is Kenneth, um, and he actually still runs tours through the place um, and he's written a recent book on it as well, but he he took care of restoring it back to its original glory and they have done such a beautiful job. Like uh, the, the videos that I watched on um, YouTube have the most beautiful wallpaper that's textured it's got that sort of velvet wallpaper and he really restored all the beautiful wooden doors and all of that 
but we'll get into that. We'll get into some of the details of the house in a minute. Um, and depending on the different reports that you read and hear, because there's a lot of conflicting information or differing information. Um, so according to Exploring with Josh, nine people have died in the house, although there's probably more, but uh, the other ones have gone undocumented. Um, uh, and 17 spirits have been identified within the house, including a cat. Uh, and that was that information was given to us by a tour guide called Marion, who was led one of the tours with Josh and Seth and the others. And I saw her on a, another YouTube, you know, tour of the house as well. She's like very knowledgeable. She features in some of the stories later on as well. But um, yeah, there, there was a list of uh, 17 spirits and I'll, I'll cover them in a moment, but more on the house. Um, and the man that commissioned the the building of the mansion so it was a man by the name of Sylvester Pierce he was a wealthy businessman and the owner of the SK Pierce and Sons Furniture Company in Gardiner Massachusetts and this factory is actually opposite the mansion uh, where it sits so he decided he wanted to build a great big grand mansion, a very, a very obvious token of his success, directly across from the furniture factory he owned. According to the website Haunted Victorian Mansion, Pierce purchased a circa 1820 house that was already on that site. He had that house moved and built the, man, the mansion on its foundations. So even in the basement, you can see the old house's foundations there as well. Uh, he really went all out on this structure and it famously took 100 men more than a year and a half to build. And some websites I've visited said 200 men, but most of them said 100 men. Either way, it's a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of manpower. Yeah, um, it is a lot of people, a lot of energy put in. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't really talk about um, if any of those people sort of hurt themselves in the process of building but you could only imagine they would uh mm. during that time and and, and to look so at it detailed too oh yeah um and you look at it from the street the highest part is uh the fourth um story which is just a widow's walk and like a a tower type thing that runs up through the center of the mansion and then there's three stories on either side of that it's beautiful with big, tall windows and big, tall doors. Um, so this mansion has a total of 26 rooms, 10 of which are bedrooms. It includes servant quarters and a dumb waiter cupboard that goes up the inside of the rooms uh, from the kitchen. And it also has what's called speaking tube pipes running between the master bedroom uh, to the nursery and down to the kitchen. So they're literally just tubes over on the wall that if you go in and speak into, the people in the other room, if they've got their ear up against the tube, can hear you. So Like old-timey intercom. Totally, yeah, totally. As well as, you know, the bell system and stuff that they had on the pulley ropes going through the walls. Uh, yeah, so I thought Very that was Very technologically pretty... advanced. Yeah, yeah, they went all <laughs> out and they didn't miss a beat on any of the little details. And... 
And also in a lot of the bedrooms, even for back in those days, you know, they didn't have en suites, but as Marion says in the YouTube videos, if you're anyone of anyone, you would have at least a little sink in the corner of your room where, you know, you had your little water dish and everything. And a lot of these bedrooms did have that because they were something, you know, they were quite grand. Um, <laughs> if you were anyone of anyone, you'd have a shit can in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> have a little dump truck under your bed. <laughs> yeah, because interestingly enough, it says, you know, with 10 bedrooms and whatnot, it had 2.5 bathrooms, which is interesting. You know, these days those numbers would be almost inverted, wouldn't they? It's just. Well, these days people have a shower every day and sometimes twice. Yes, but not back then. <laughs> <laughs> and have a door between me and you and my shit can. <laughs> yes, yes. Lots of doors, please. Um, so yeah, we've, we've touched on the, um, the workmanship that went into this place. So yeah, there's, you can still see them today. There's beautiful, big carved, intricate design of the wooden doors and the archways and hand carved moldings and cornices throughout and the plaster work everywhere with the ceiling roses around the light fittings and all of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, painstaking detail was used to create every inch of this masterpiece from the master bedroom to the servants' quarters. Um, among the unique features of the house is the circular staircase leading up to the fourth floor's widow's walk. It sounds like super creepy in itself, but of course it is. Of course it's so got one a of widow's those. walk? A widow's walk. It's just like a narrow little um, corridor and it's got like 365 um degree windows so you can see all around to capture the views of everywhere but it's just like a tiny why would little... they call it a widow's walk well I guess maybe people would slip down those stairs and maybe Make it was the widow. master that went up there and then slipped down and it became I don't know I reckon it's because it's pretty dicey and people fall downstairs and die and you become a widow just like the gum trees they're called widow trees a because branch will fall down and make you a widow I don't know. Yeah. But that's great. We should probably look into that. There'll be an explanation mm -hmm. somewhere. <laughs> um, and in addition, the home once had a tunnel leading from its basement and across the street to the entrance of the Pierce former chair factory. This passageway has since been blocked off. Of course. Please leave it blocked off. Okay. So... <laughs> Sylvester, his wife Susan, and their son moved into the mansion. But only after a few short weeks after moving in, Susan passed away from what they call in all the research bacterial illness. And our friend Marion, who runs the tours, said she died of the flu. It was the flu. So take that information. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> the Spanish flu. <laughs> I don't know, uh -huh. bacterial uh -huh. illness. But so she was literally there for two weeks and died after this Stop. great, yep. I Googled widow's walk. Oh, of course you do. The name, the name is said to come from the wives of mariners who would watch for their spouse's return, often in vain as the ocean took their lives, leaving the women widows. Right. It's usually a feature that was reserved for coastal community homes. Yeah, and usually it's, uh, like, yeah, and usually like the people who could afford a house like that would be the captain or whatever. So sometimes um, it's called the captain's walks. Oh, okay. um, 
Yeah. So it's like very much a, a, a feature of stature to have mm, that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I like that. Thank you. Queen Google over there. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, okay. So two weeks. Yep. So Susan, poor old Susan was there for two weeks and then she passes away. So a year later, Sylvester remarries his second wife called Ellen, who is 30 years younger than who than himself. And of together they is. have, yeah, of course she is. Um, <laughs> nothing changes, you know, hundreds of years no. ago. These rich bastards are still picking up, you know, yep. chicks way younger. But anyway, mm-hmm. so together they have two more sons. Not long after that, Sylvester Pierce passes away in 1888 leaving behind his new wife and their three sons. Ellen Pierce then passes away a few years after that and there ensues the three sons um, arguing over the wealth, how to manage it, who owns what. So um, the eldest son, Frank, which was the only son between Sylvester and Susan, he gets the, the business and another son, I think it's actually the youngest, but I'm not sure where I read that or if I'm just making it up, but another son takes control over the mansion. Um, but shortly after that, the, the Great Depression hits and so everybody falls into hard times. And, yeah, Edward, the youngest son, um, ends up turning the mansion into a bit of a boarding home to try and help you know, financially and, um, you know, gambling, drinking, prostitution, all those kinds of fun things move in to the mansion. And a fun house. It's a fun house. Um, Yeah, and it was during this time that it is said a sex worker was strangled to death in what we refer to as the Red Room. Uh, And then later Edward sold it and it became an inn um, for quite a few years before eventually it was abandoned and came into disrepair for a few years after that. Um, So over the years, countless stories of paranormal activity in the house have been recorded. Among the ghosts reported are that of S.K. Pierce himself, his wife Susan, his first wife Susan, his second wife Ellen. Uh, All their sons are said to frequent the house at various times. And their granddaughter Rachel, who was um, the second child of the youngest son, Edward, and his wife, Bessie. She died in the house um, when she was two. She was born in 1914 and passed away in 1916 from gastroenteritis. Um, But she has appeared in quite a few photos and stuff like that um, and is quite playful. Um, So that's Rachel. Um, Now, there is also a 19-year-old nanny called Matty Cornwell, and she was... Uh, Stuart and and Edward's nanny when they were growing up in the mansion. Uh, Who else do we have? We've got Fino Sari, who was a uh, Finnish boarder back in the boarding days of the inn. He uh, famously passed away in one of the rooms and it was sort of common um, rumours that he spontaneously combusted because there was a little room. (laughs) Yeah. There was little damage to the rest of the room, um, 
But my friend Marion definitely reassures us all and she just says uh, it was nothing to do with spontaneous combustion. He was drunk and he smoked and he fell asleep and burned himself. So on the death certificate that they do have framed somewhere in the mansion, it does say cause of death was smoke inhalation and third-degree burns. I'm pretty sure he doesn't mind being, like, thought of as spontaneously combusting. Well, yeah. When I was um, a teenager and I found out that that was a thing, probably actually from this, yeah, but it is a thing, Yeah. but I'm sure I found out of it through some morbid supernatural paranormal situation. Yeah. I remember it becoming my my catchphrase kind of thing, like when I would get cranky or when I would be sad or too excited. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to spontaneously combust. That's it. I'm going to spontaneously combust. (laughs) Don't you bloody manifest that on yourself. (laughs) Oh God, no. (laughs) If that doesn't kill you, I will. (laughs) But I really wouldn't mind if I died from that because what a cool way for people to talk about you. She just spontaneously combusted one day. I was like, that's fucking awesome. (laughs) It wouldn't be a nice experience. Would not be a nice way to go. No, I'd rather be eaten like, by a shark to... if we're talking about cool stories. Okay, yeah. That, that, that wouldn't be a bad one, eaten by a shark. Uh, really? Yeah. You'd rather be eaten by a shark than spontaneously combust? I think so. There's nothing spontaneous about being eaten by a shark. Like, it's a cool that, story. That's like cool story. very cool story yep. but painful way to go. Yeah, well, so would spontaneous combustion. Uh, do you think? Because that would be like instant. Almost. I don't know. It'd be I much quicker than a shark attack, though. Still gross either way. Can we stop talking about this? I'm really grossed out now. Really? Because my mind's like fully gone on different tangents of. Well, my tummy's die. doing flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't freaked out and now I am. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So he didn't spontaneously combust. Um, yeah. But in this house, there are little um, rafters that have like charred rafters that were returned after the restoration works and they're framed uh with a little plaque on it in memory of of uh Eno Sari. So there is also two servants uh with the names of Susan and Sarah that frequent the mansion. Um a servant called William, um a boy eight to nine years old by the name of Gordon who roams the entire house. Um, and a man, a spirit called David in the basement, um, but also his name has been attributed to being the person that strangled the sex worker in the Red Room. Um, and James is a spirit attached to the pump organ in the dining room and an old lady on the third floor and a cat. So there's a list um, of spirits roaming the house that have been recorded through various apparatus that I can't wait to get into with you, Tracy, because I know I sent you a video to have a look at and they were using dousing rods and whatnot and they had some interesting responses. Um, But, yeah, a bit more about this red room that I keep talking about on the second floor where the sex worker was reportedly strangled. Um, a lot of people that go into this room experience heaviness in their chest and find it hard to breathe and get a racing heart rate. This is also the room that Susan, the first wife, died in and reportedly the same room that Ellen, the second wife, resided in. Uh, visitors have been... Can you imagine? Yeah. Be, like moving in, like marrying a dude 
Yeah. Moving into his mansion and then your bedroom was the room where his ex-wife died. Especially when there's lots of rooms. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot comes down to hearsay and reports. So that might not be the case. It might just be that it makes a really good story, good story. to talk about the Red Room. But, you know, <laughs> by all reported accounts, this is this is the room. Um, so people, yeah, visiting this room have reported being inappropriately touched as well. And in one of the YouTube videos, the guy called Seth lies on the bed. He's quite popular with the spirits. They quite often call his name. He lies on the bed with some money there and he was not touched poor Seth but a lot of people have yeah have reports of doing that um was that the room were they trying to entice with the money were they trying to entice the the lady of the night that was strangled yeah okay I think that's the idea yeah yeah and then some people have even reported in this room and other places throughout the house having been scratched. And quite often if they've got the voice recorders or the spirit box in this room and a couple of other places, um, the word strangle has been heard. Yeah. So it's interesting. Interesting to say the least. Um, so Sylvester's master bedroom is also known to be a hotspot for activity. Uh, this is the room that Edwin Gonzalez and Lillian Ottero resided in when they purchased the house in 2008. Um, so they didn't believe in ghosts. They wanted to own a Victorian manor and mansion so they they bought this house and moved in and thought it was very grand and they were you know obviously needed some work but they were more than happy to do that um but they only lasted two years there and during that time they both experienced a lot of paranormal activity Edwin has even made sketches of the apparitions he saw in this room reportedly three mornings in a row, a wailing woman would appear to him floating in midair. So when these YouTubers went through, there's, they've got these sketches framed in the, in the sitting room and in the parlour. They've got lots of memorabilia up and everything now to have a look at. But, yeah, there's two sketches, one of a man's head and one of this woman that he did. So he experienced a lot himself um, but not nearly as much as his wife, no, not wife, they weren't married but they were together, um, Lillian. So it's reported that Lillian received a message from a spirit to walk down to the basement and dig in the old kiln where she found several old bones, one of which was later identified as a child's pelvic bone. Uh, first-hand account Ew. from our friend, yeah, not cool. And there was also little buckles from garter belts and whatnot found in that kiln as well. So, and they're all there. Oh. All of that stuff is now sort of in a little, you know, glass box. It's all been cleaned. So like they've thrown people in the kiln to burn them. Gotten rid of the bodies, but it's not documented anywhere when or how that happened. But again, this is in the basement. And and when we get to the basement, there's there's a lot of activity there. And it's not all just, you know, harmless spirits that I've rattled off. There's some other things going on there that I can't wait to talk to you about. Is it a portal um, to hell? Well, maybe. I don't know. There's something a bit weird <laughs> going on here. But um, so so she experienced that and Marion was working at the house during this time. This is the lady that does a lot of the tours. She was working at the house for these guys during this time and um, one morning she recalls 
the morning that um, Lillian and Edwin decided to leave the house for good. And that was one morning Lillian woke up, was lying in bed and felt an enormous crushing pressure on her chest and she couldn't move. All she could do was gasp and scream to um, Edwin, get it off me. And Edward reports to try to sit her up or pick her up and that she just couldn't. She was so stiff and she felt really, really heavy. And all he could do was like pull her and the blankets off the bed completely. And when she hit the floor, um, that sort of energy dispersed and went away. But that was it for them. They they took off that morning. They didn't remove their clothes from the cupboards. They didn't get any food out or they left all their furniture there. They were gone. Marion says she was there that morning. So that was. It's a funny, a spirit or spirits in this house, in this case, they love some sceptics or they love some people who move in that don't believe in in ghosts because they will change your mind. They, they definitely did. They had a point to prove and I think they got there with them in just two years. I can't you imagine, imagine all the laughing. other little shit that built up to that moment. Just haunting them. Yeah. Yeah, so that was yeah. pretty clear. So that uh, so that happened. <laughs> and then in June uh, 2015, after only being on the real estate market for two weeks, Rob and Alison Conti, uh, that owned Dark Carnival, acquired the property with the intent to complete the restorations and open the mansion to the public for overnight rentals for the brave souls who wish to experience in the, man- the mansion during its darkest hours. So the following I'm just going to read direct from, the, from their website um, because it's well written, like I said before, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, so it's open for historical ghost tours where ghosts can learn, where guests can learn about both the positive and negative history of this home. During the Halloween season, we plan to open the basement only of the mansion weekends only in October for what will truly be a one-of-a-kind SK Pierce-themed Halloween attraction as it will be the only haunt in the country that combines the haunt industry and the paranormal industry. As guests travel through the bowels of the mansion, they will encounter 30 to 35 of our trained actors, high-end illusions and animations, and may even get a glimpse of the truly paranormal. Best of all, since this attraction is only in the basement, guests can have some scares in the spirit of the season without ever affecting the majesty of the main levels of this marvellous home. No. Uh, so they're taking them into the basement, which is yeah. supposed to be the scary. Oh, my God. I know. It's nuts. Like there's such sort of flamboyant um, people that are concerned with the attraction element of it all. Um, yeah. And so it has a special note as well. This attraction is not for the faint of heart. There is a good possibility that you will witness paranormal activity. The entities of this mansion are extremely advanced and have demonstrated a unique ability to impose their will physically on guests. For this reason, a detailed injury waiver must be signed by each guest prior to experiencing the SK Haunted Victorian Mansion. Please do not behave in an antagonistic manner towards these entities at any time, as you may be placing yourself and other guests in danger. 
Mm-hmm. So that's direct from their website. And as we were going on a tour through the mansion with these YouTubers, they open one of the cupboards and um, they find uh, the Dark Carnival, you know, they acquire lots of different interesting things, sideshow alley type things. So they open a cupboard to find a replica of a Fiji mermaid. Have you heard of those before? No. So they're believed to have been made by Japanese sailors or Indonesian sailors, and it's a hybrid of bones from different animals sewn together to look like uh, a mermaid. So this one has like a fish fin and like a monkey skull, and it's all sort of um, laced together or sort of soldered together like with skin of something and it's all dried around and it's bound Where did all it like- come from? How old is it? Who made it? I, I'm, I have so many questions. I know. Hang on. So they, got- they opened up a cupboard and it was just in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the current owners of it, they're all into, you know, weird they sort of attraction it. stuff. And so they have acquired it and it's just stored in a cupboard in this mansion. Where does one acquire mansion. shit like that from? Yeah. So many questions. It has nothing to do with the mansion, but I could not not mention it having seen it on YouTube. Is it there a just, picture? Yeah. Um, you could probably do a freeze frame. I tried to, you know, by the powers of Wikipedia and Google, I, of course, search Fiji mermaid, but the photo of this particular one wasn't there, but that's where I read up a little bit of, of what they are and, and what they mean. And initially, you know, back in the day they were, meant it was a hoax like they were sort of um explained away as being real they were trying to be portrayed as something that was um for real real creature yeah but it has definitely been discredited and it's definitely been um you know quashed as being real and, and there are a few so badly around so it was just really my bizarre mind, my yeah. mind has got so many different ways of which this thing can look it's like monkey head like fish tail like but yeah. it's supposed to be a mermaid and my my mind is doing all kinds of tricks yeah it's not pretty and no. it's really bizarre to just see it there in a cupboard but it adds to an unnerving feeling in this house um but the servant oh, the servants, yeah <laughs> yeah the servants quarters are right beside where the billiard room was which was unusual for the time because the servants were meant to be seen and not heard except all the wealthy people were up there playing billiards right sort of in, in the middle of them all. So there's sort of two schools of thought about whether or not it was to taunt them or whether it was to kind of include them and entertain them as well in the closest way that they could sort of thing. Um, yeah, so leaving that aside, I did send you, do you want to talk about the basement now and the um, the videos? Because... The basement's very interesting. There was talk about a um, a young boy being found in the water tank, the cistern down there, and that he had drowned. And as we have mentioned, there were bones found in the kiln down there. So this is a big basement, obviously, being under such a large house. There's many different rooms. There's the laundry room there too. There's lots of pipes. There's lots of water. There's the blocked-off tunnel that goes um, under the road leading to the old furniture factory. And uh, this is the site where a lot of um, 
more of the sort of darker or more sinister interactions have been felt um, throughout the house. The people that have visited have, um, you know, we've talked about some of the of the tourists being scratched or being felt pushed. One tourist said, I, I was nearly pushed down the stairs. Another person reports being almost forced out of a window on the third floor. Um, but most of the more darker energy seems to come from the basement and certainly when the paranormal investigators go um, down there with their spirit boxes, you're going to have to correct me, Tracy, with the names of all these apparatus, but there's like that white, white noise box where you can hear voices through. and then Spirit box, yep. Yeah. yeah, and then the ladies using the dousing rods, they seem to mm-hmm. get a fair bit of interaction with those just being yes and no and showing the direction and that sort of thing. So um, that's why I wanted to send you those videos to see what you thought. I, and can you talk me through what your take on all of that was? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, what do you want to know? There, there was so much in there. Like it was funny though because you sent me to the sent me them and I watched yep. the second one before I watched the first one. Oh, I didn't, part one. I didn't realise, yeah, yep. I didn't realise that um, there was a part two and a part one. So I watched part two first and then I went, yes, where even are they? Like what am I watching? Because this isn't the mansion. Where are we? And then I watched yep. part one and I was like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it was an interesting uh, adventure that they went on or an investigation that they went on. They seemed to be... Um, quite knowledgeable in certain areas and then quite amateur in other areas in terms of their fear as well and and yes. their sort of level um, of fear. I felt yeah, I felt like it was a mixed bag of of investigators in, in that video, which is good because it was much more interesting than the usual investigated videos that you get of places where people know what they're doing. It's kind of boring, but. <laughs> Yeah, so they were using some, um, they were using a ton of equipment. They pretty much had everything you could possibly want and dream of in terms of being a paranormal investigator, which a lot of it is, in my opinion, overkill. Uh, They're really refined and sophisticated, like made these machines and these devices quite sophisticated over time. So the spirit box that you were just talking about, or is sometimes called a ghost box, is a, it's basically just an AM FM radio. Yeah. And so basically all it does is it scans AM or FM stations. Uh, some only do AM, some only, some will do AM FM. It scans radio stations and spirit is able to use frequency to communicate. So spirit, if it wants to, can use the spirit box or the ghost box to um pick up on words that it can find during any of the radio frequencies and answer any questions intelligently. So I've used spirit boxes plenty of times. Um, They're annoying. They're loud. (laughs) Um, I find them to be, I I find them to be hit and miss Um, on that video. You know, they, they were quite intelligent. They were using it quite intelligently, but what they were using in that video was, um, like a portal version of a spirit box. So it's a new it's a new technology again. They've just made it more sophisticated. They've taken the white noise away. Right. So yeah, it's, it's basically just a noisier. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So it's basically just a spirit box or a ghost box with an extra element to it which removes the white noise and just spits out the the words. Makes sure. it much it makes it much easier on the ears to yeah. to experience. 
because uh, spirit boxes and ghost boxes are very, very, very loud. Um, yeah. They were also using um, thermo imaging. So there's a few different devices that they had there that I saw them use. Some of them we saw them interact with. Some of them I just saw them holding them, but they didn't really bring them to your attention in the video. But um, there are ones that include, uh, it's like a camera, like a vision of a camera that you're looking at, uh, but it's a video camera type situation and it picks up um, different thermal uh, temperatures obviously in the area so if we were it picks up heat and cold and then all the differences in between so if there is something that is hot it's usually a human that's in front of the camera or like that that we've got the camera trained on and so if you see anything else that picks up that isn't um, blue or green or, yeah, it's usually the blues and the greens, if it picks up and it goes to yellow or orange or red, then there's a sense of obviously that there's heat there and what is creating that heat would have to be some kind of change of of temperature in the room. And there are these cameras that just have the thermal imaging. So there was one of the guys that was there who I'm not sure who he was, but he um, had like a, it looks like a, um, like a, a speed camera, like gun type thing, like almost oh, like right. a hairdryer, but like a stumpy version of a hairdryer. Yeah. And he was holding one of those and they are like mini versions of those, but they just pick up thermal imaging. So they'll just pick up changes in, um, col via color. So all the color spectrum of changes in temperature, some devices now these days, one device will do almost all of that which was that big device that they had where they saw the little bodies dancing. Yeah. The little, it maps out like little stick men creatures. Yeah, it maps um, out the, the shape. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes like I've seen investigations where um, like they've made shapes of dogs or made shapes of uh, animals rather than humans. So it's not always a human shape that it's going to pick up. And, and it's really interesting because it'll pick up tall ones, little ones, ones that sort of sit up on top of furniture, or in this case, it was like sitting on her shoulder. Yeah. And at one point it actually overlapped her and it mapped on top of her, yeah. which the investigator was saying that he's never seen before, which was really interesting because, and they do allude to this in the investigation that she needs to cleanse herself. And she says, I have my holy water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because when they, you know, the theory would be that if they're over, like if they're mapping over the top of you, that they're trying to attach to you or use you at some, or channel through you at some point. So, you know, that can be a little bit scary and I'd rather really not know. But um, they also use uh, the EMF detector, which is just like, a, you know, electricians use them, builders use them. They're just like, they're picking up electromagnetic frequencies um, and they move uh, like one light and then if the frequency tips up it'll move up the light spectrum to sort of show that there that there is electromagnetic um, frequency being picked up um, quite often in investigation what you'll do first is is go through the the location that you're at and you'll find where the emf already is so if you remember back to when we went to mangrove mountain and i and i kept talking about how I felt like I was standing on top of some kind of en energy like field or source yeah. and I yep. needed to get under to see where the electricity went. And then when we actually got to look under the house, the electricity ran straight through that room. So I can like without, and we didn't have any 
um, no. any paranormal investigation equipment with us. But just you, the way that I just am, the live yeah, human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the way that I am, I can pretty much pick up like that electromagnetic frequency. Like I am like an EMF detector on my on my own. Sure. Uh, and so some, and it feels different to when it's a spirit to when it's electricity. Like it just it fe- it has a different feeling for me. I can't describe it. It part of it is a feeling. Part of it is a knowing. Part of it is. Uh, just experience, I think. Yeah. Um, so an EMF detector is so, can be somewhat fun, but at the same time, if they don't show you in an investigation that they've gone through and picked up on where where EMF already exists in the home because of electricity, then it, it's kind of really just for tricks or for show, an EMF yeah. detector. Um, and then they were playing with REM pods as well. So REM pods are those round things that have little lights on them that flash and they usually yes. leave them in random rooms. And then every now and then uh, you'll hear one go off in the background and it kind of goes off like an alarm. So it's like a motion uh, detector? or Yeah, that's exactly okay. what it is. It's a motion yep. detector. So uh, if you're not going anywhere near it and it picks up, then obviously something's gone near it and it can pick up. So the colour of the lights determine at what level it's picking up. So um, colours of lights on all of the equipment will tell you more detail than just light, pretty lights going off. Uh, so it can be the force and it can be how close it is, but also um, the sound of the alarm, like if it gets louder and it stays on like it, then it's on top of it and it's touching it. Okay. But if it just starts beeping really fast, then it's getting closer and closer and closer. Um, yeah. But you can also use things like REM pods to communicate with spirit. So you can say, okay, see that round um, device in the middle? That's called a REM pod. Uh, if you get closer to that and if you touch it, it will tell us that you're there because the lights will light up and it will make a noise. And so you can start communicating with it with intelligently asking for it to say yes or no. So if it doesn't uh. touch it, it's a no. If it does touch it, it's a yes. Um they were also used. They were also experiencing, uh, like one of the young girls that was there was using um, the a camera, or I don't know, because they didn't really show her angle from it. But the, but the spirit was trying to take energy from her light, and so the light yes. was flashing. Yeah, yeah. Um, at Quite that a lot. point, it was taking energy. Yeah, at that point, it was taking energy, and it wasn't draining the battery yet because she was still turning it on and off. But. Um, you can use torches that have like a very easy on-off. Uh, um, it's like they've loosened the mechanism to turn it on and off. So it's the torches that you don't press the button to turn it on and off, but you twist the, it's like a, a twist yep. at the top of the head of the um, torch or it could be quite kinetic. Um, so you can put torches out and use them as yes and no responses as well, but they've got to be like special, they're not special torches, but you've got to have them sort of tripped a little bit to, um, to work for the spirits. Um, they were using dousing rods as well, which is, um, they're, they're a great tool. They're a fun tool. They're a great tool. Um, again, you know, dousing rods are originally, were originally, uh, used to find water. Uh, and still are. So again, if you're going to use a a tool like dousing rods, then you need to know the water sources, where's the piping, where's the plumbing, where's the drainage, where's the the sewage, where's all that kind of stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. In this video though, that was probably one of the better, better videos that I've seen in quite a while where they're, where they're having intelligent responses from their spirit. So for those who are listening to this, go and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were really cool answers. Um, and, um, 
you could see that it was, wasn't was staged and it was very real and it was actually happening. And that Miriam lady, Miriam? Mar- Marion. Yeah. Marion. Yeah. Yeah, she's, um, she's, she's a great conduit. She's pretty... She's pretty solid, you know, like she, I was sort of sussing her out at first yeah. and I'm thinking, oh, you like this show a little bit too much. But then <laughs> I actually quite enjoyed her energy. Um, she liked the them other- though as well because I saw her do a couple of other tours with other people on YouTube and she didn't tell them nearly as much as she told these guys. So they had a good rapport. Yeah. Well, I think that um, these guys seem to, uh, they have a, a sense of innocence about them, which can yeah. sometimes be a bit dangerous, but they, they're nice. Yeah, they don't like to, like even when, when they were communicating with the girl who working through the dousing rods, you know, I'm sorry that you're alone. I'm sorry that uh, happened to you and I'm sorry. And, you know, you can see that they genuinely um, cared rather yep. than just going in there for shits and giggles and a show. Um, yeah, they were respectful but, of it. They left a room earlier on in the piece because through the spirit box they were saying leave and so they're yeah, like, so they all left. right, we're going to leave. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. And the spirits yeah. actually seem to like one in particular, Seth, the, the maker Seth. of the of the YouTube channel, and uh, it was funny when um, he said, do you want me to go in the other room? And the spirit said no, and then the next minute one of the guys comes out and it's like, oh, you, did you just try and stop me from going around the corner so I wouldn't get scared? And the spirit yeah. was like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah indeed or whatever. It was so yeah. funny. Um, and that's cool, you know, because that's what it's like. You know, if you're not afraid of the spirits and they're there, then you can have that communication with them because they're just people that have crossed yeah. over. Um, the other thing that they were using too uh, was uh, like um, they were – using a little device that were that had a recorder attached to it that was like a ghost or a spirit box but um I'm not sure what the other thing that they had attached to it was there was sort of like two pieces of equipment that were joined together by a cord I don't that they know. would hold yeah um like a mini spirit box that I don't know what that was so I'm yeah. not sure um what other equipment did they have I think that I that think really you've kind well of... and truly covered it. <laughs> they did have torches, like their own flashlights as well. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know what? That kind of equipment, it's not necessary for an investigation. Um, it is if you want to capture uh, yeah. EVPs, electronic voice phenomena. Yeah. Um, it is necessary if you want to capture thing on, you know, on camera in terms of vision and those are thermal imaging detectors with the anomalies that get picked up in the form of shapes. Um, they record, so you can go back and watch those. Huh. Um, yeah, there's lots of lots of uh, fun things that you know add to the investigation when you have equipment, but they're very expensive. Yeah, um, and you know you can kind of probably get caught up in the hype of of wanting oh. all of the pretty fun stuff with, with lights sure. and. But yeah. if you're putting together YouTube things for people to watch in one of the most haunted houses, so. it makes for good viewing and we've just made a, an entire podcast episode based on it. So it's been fascinating. <laughs> and I was really keen for you to watch because they, you know, they did get some genuine interactions and pretty much anyone that goes through that house does experience uh, lots of different things, you know, from door slamming and hearing footsteps to voices to you know, genuine interaction with the different spirits. But um, 
when it comes to some of the the darker energies down there, there definitely was some interaction with, um, you know, someone that had been murdered by by maybe someone that had owned the house before and none of that's been documented. And, you know, some of those other feelings that people are uneasy about, I was just curious um, if you had any insights to would that be tied to the land or even potentially the house that used to sit there and maybe what happened in that? Like who's to say that that it's potential? Because there's no information that I could find on the house that used to be there and then this one's directly sits on top of it. So it could be a combination, could it not? 100% it could be. And it could also be uh, of spirits who have been brought in there by other investigators or people who have come to visit, you know, like not all houses um, or not all haunted locations uh, have a rhyme or reason as to why they're haunted by who they're haunted by or what they're haunted by can be brought in by anybody else. It can, can be environmental. There can be so many factors. And that's the thing, you know, with these, these big, known haunted mansions in America or wherever, all over the world, castles, wherever you want to go. Um, It's fascinating when you can't find the information, but it's even more fascinating when you know the story behind that that he is confirmed, that he's documented, that he's reported. It's like, wow. And it's never ending, you know. Either way, it's still so intriguing and you know the proof is in the is in the audio. It's in the the captures. It's in the experiences. And you know I don't know about you, but I'm not about to go and buy a mansion that I've always wanted and live in it for two years and then just up and leave without taking any of my stuff. Like yeah. unless I've actually had the shit scared out of me. Absolutely, I just wouldn't do it to begin with. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, too, spirits can be quite um, spirits can be quite manipulative and tricky. So. Uh, if there is a spirit who is stuck there, this is just, you know, just for extra information. If there yeah. is a spirit there that's stuck and it may have, you know, been a servant of the Pierces originally or whoever or worked there when it was, um, you know, a fun house, um, they could have it in for other spirits. And oh. so, or they could have a vendetta. So they can lie. Wow. They can trick. They can lead you to believe something that isn't the truth. And you'd never know. Never know. So you've got to be very mindful. Yep. Yeah. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On that note. Yep. There's just more questions than answers, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And that's why it's um, why you get addicted to it. It's like a rabbit hole. Yeah. So intriguing. Yeah, so you're going to put on Instagram? Yeah, we'll put some photos up and I'll even link to those particular videos that I kept referring back to in the show notes of this episode so you can have a peruse if you're so inclined. I want to find a picture of that mermaid. Oh, yeah, the Fiji mermaid. Yeah, I'll send it. I'll flick it through to you. You're good with all the socials, so I'll, I'll send you the stuff. And um, in that video, I saw the open covered and there was a cat. Is that another one of their sideshow? What did props? you see? It was like a petrified dead cat. I didn't see that. Oh, it was in like one of the cupboards. It's like a grey, 
it's like standing up or like as if it's like reaching up to something. Um, it's an ugly looking thing, but like are you sure it was a cat? Thing, it? I think that was the Fiji mermaid. Oh, really? Yeah, they they talk about it. I don't know unless it's another um, thing that I missed that you saw. I don't know. Weird. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Not nearly the weirdest thing we've covered this episode, though. <laughs> no, and I was watching so much weird stuff yesterday as well for my research for the next episode. So who Ooh. knows? Maybe I'm getting mixed up. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, on that note, we're going to tie this episode up so we can dive into the next one because we have a big day of recording ahead, my love, don't we? We do. So Thanks, thank you, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Got a spooky story you'd like us to share or a haunted location you'd like us to cover? Send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at turnsout underscore it's haunted. We'd appreciate a follow, a share, a rating, a review, whatever floats your Sleep well, my scaredy cats.